Let's talk Lucha Libre. And man, I went down a rabbit hole on Twitter. So let's talk about it all in this episode. What up, guys? Welcome to season four of the Square Circle podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And this episode is about Lucha Libre. And is it wrestling? Is it not wrestling? Who could do it? Who can't do it? Why should they do it? All these questions and more. The reason why this conversation got sparked is because on AEW Dynamite in Jay White's debut match, he was facing Commander. And I apologize if I mispronounce his name throughout this podcast. For some reason, like my brain wants to say either Commander or Commander, and I believe it's Commander. So apologies, I'm saying that right now. This whole entire podcast episode will be looked at objectively, and nothing that I say here is from a personal outlook. It is going to be very based on the mechanics, if there's psychology behind it, if there's character work behind it, everything that wrestling involves. So nothing personal. The people that we'll be talking about, I don't know them personally. So we're going to stick to wrestling-based kayfabe for this whole analysis of Lucha Libre. And does it have a place in American wrestling and how it evolved over the years? So like I was saying, Jay White had his debut match against Commander. And a viral clip has made its rounds on Twitter and probably some other platforms as well. I was about to say social media platforms. This clip is Commander taking control of Jay White's arm, going up to the top rope, and then deciding to do a flip that basically bounces him back to the top rope, which got a little messed up because Jay White is not a luchador. Jay White doesn't really face luchadors like that. If anybody knows Jay White's whole entire career, he never really faced a luchador of commander status or any of the other Mexican wrestlers straight from Mexico, like never had a chance to get in the ring with them to understand how to make those moves look smooth. So as commander bounces back to the other top rope, commander goes to the other rope diagonally from him and decides to jump from middle rope to top rope so many times and then decides to do a hurricanrana that was really bad. Okay, that's the best way that I can explain what happened because this is audio, this isn't video. So that clip is going around, it is viral. There is a conversation between, is this wrestling? Some people or fans, whoever you guys are, are like, it's fun, it's entertaining. Other people are like, oh, it's gymnastics. Other people are like, it's unnecessary. I'm in the crowd that it's very unnecessary. It does not need to happen unless there is some psychological point to it, if it's like a character development. You know, I also saw that someone said it's a taunt person. That is not a taunt. How can that be a taunt? How can someone be afraid of a guy jumping from middle rope to top rope oh so many times be a taunt before the actual move happens? Like, come on. That was the most ridiculous thing I've seen typed out on Twitter as a taunt. 
before we get into the really most stupidest question I've ever seen asked by a wrestler about the difference between Commander's spot and Undertaker's old school spot. First of all, you're comparing apples to oranges and trying to do a gotcha moment. Those are two different moments, two different mindsets, two different psychological moves done on the opponent. Before I get into a deeper dive of the answer for that, I need you guys to come along with me on story time. It's story time with Marie Shadows about Lucha Libre. Lucha Libre started in Mexico, as we all probably should know because we're wrestling fans. We're fans of wrestlers such as Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, all the Guerreros, Super Crazy, Psychosis, everyone that was in WCW that you saw that was a high flyer, they all came from Mexico. The difference is that a Mexican crowd and American crowd when it comes to the fans are completely different. There's a reason why Rey Mysterio lasted as long as he did. Eddie Guerrero lasted as long as he did. Chavo, super crazy. Psychosis, even though like psychosis don't really wrestle as much. But, you know, these luchadors survived in American wrestling because they understood they had to put some type of rain on their luchador wrestling. Because what works in Mexico does not work over here in America. What works in Japan does not work over here in America. And sometimes what works in America doesn't work in any other place if they go wrestle. So we have to establish that. We have to understand that. Commander and Vikingo are straight from the motherland in Mexico. So they're used to a rowdy crowd. And most of that crowd, if not all of that crowd, is basically like pissy drunk. So they're going to be amazed at all these flips and crazy stunts and acrobatics and gymnastics. And they're not really going to care about if someone works a hold. That's the thing. Like Mexican wrestling is fun and done right, in my opinion. And there's also different kinds of Mexican promotions, Mexican wrestling throughout Mexico. It's not just AAA. However, like I was saying that that crowd mainly knows the flips, the gymnastics, the theatrics, all of that. There's no psychology behind most of that stuff. Like, I don't understand how a guy jumping from rope to rope to rope is supposed to hurt you when the guy is small, once he completes that act to do like a hurricanrana or to do a hip toss. Like, how is that supposed to hurt you? As the opponent, like how are you supposed to really sell it to make it believable when most of the crowd has like tuned out and don't really care about the spot anymore? If it takes too long to do something, the crowd, the fan is going to be taken out of it. And I say that for most American fans, if not all American fans. So that's like the origin. Mexico has a crazy fan base that will be like, oh, my God, that shit is fun. Now. When our other luchador buddies, the ones that are legends, came over here to America to start a whole brand new life and wrestle in front of a brand new crowd, they were doing the same things. They were getting popular. People loved them. People were excited. But then they realized that they can't keep doing that because, remember, this business is about longevity. 
If you don't have longevity in this business, you're not going to make it. So you have to change up your style every now and then, right? So this is why Rey Mysterio lasted so long, because even though he could still fly around the ring and he was super fast, there were times where he had to slow down, work a hold, get the story going. His opponent would probably do the same thing because, again, we have to have this story going on that... Okay, you're fighting a fast wrestler, so how are you going to, you know, take away his metaphorical wings, his speed? How are you going to take it away? You're going to take it away by working a body part, which is like his legs, because he needs his legs to run. So you're going to try to take out his legs from under him. And that's how you build this emotional connection with the fans. And when they realized that this is how you build a, an emotional connection with the fans, this is why all the luchadors became good. And we don't really complain about them as much because they didn't do anything unnecessary in their matches. Because they had veterans in there to be like, hey, look, I understand that you have this style of wrestling and that doesn't really go well with my type of wrestling. But let's try to make it work. You are very fast. You're not heavy. You're very fast. So compared to the other guy who's heavy, he has to use his strength to slow down the fast one. And then the crowd is going to get in on it and the crowd is going to be like, you know, cheering for the smaller wrestler who's fast and that's how you make them a star. And no one's really going to complain about it because it makes sense. Whenever Commander and Vikingo are on television, it doesn't make sense. How does a small guy versus a small guy going to have a huge impact on the smaller guy that has to pretend that he's hurt from a hurricanrana that was really not powerful, was really not impactful? So how does jumping from rope to rope to rope increase that power, that strength to make sure this her Karana hurts? It doesn't. There's nothing there that tells me, oh, this is going to be a really huge, powerful move. So again, all of the luchador legends that we know in America that went through WCW and landed in WWE, they all learned from their counterparts, their American colleagues to listen to the crowd, to train the crowd, to sort of rein in some of that crazy aspect that they get from Mexico and try to fusion the two of Mexican wrestling, Lucha Libre style and American wrestling and didn't waste any time, didn't waste any unnecessary movement. Everything made sense. Everything flowed together. The crowd was in it, and the crowd was the best part of it because they were able to control the crowd and then also control the matches and basically told the best story in that ring, and no one really fucking complained about it because they understood what was happening. Everything was a smooth transition. Now... Sometimes, you know, like super crazy would get super crazy because that's his name. But again, nothing was lost on him for just doing unnecessary shit. And plus, anyway, Super Heavy was big and he had that strength. So if he did decide to do something where it's like a lot of flips, you can understand in your mind that, oh, that's a lot of power coming down. That's a lot of weight coming down on the person. So you have to sell it. You have to be like, oh, my God, that hurt because he's a heavier person. How are you going to sell something if a small guy like Commander is going to do some big, powerful move to you while you're also a small guy? 
Like, I don't understand that. Okay. So I hope you understood that first half of why there's this difference of fans being like, oh, you know, we love Rey Mysterio and the Guerreros and Super Crazy and Psychosis. It's because of that. It's because they decided to merge their Mexican Lucha Libre style and the American style and they made it work and they made history and this is why they're legends and we don't really complain. Those that are still from the motherland brings over the same thing of what they do over there to over here. And it causes this kind of discussion because we could see through the bullshit. Okay, let's get back to that really bad question of what's the difference between Commander's spot and Undertaker's old school spot? First of all, if you have to ask this question, then you don't know the difference and you're just looking to try to do a gotcha moment so that way a response could be, oh, it's entertainment. Oh, it's this, it's that, you know, to not really have a discussion about this. Like I said before, you're comparing apples to oranges or trying to just know the difference. It's not the same and it's not the gotcha moment you think it is. Here's the difference. Undertaker, for the years of his wonderful career, has always innovated himself, whether that's from The Undertaker to American Badass, and he decided to just add him walking the top rope as an added spectacle of his whole entire career and moveset. He doesn't do it every single time. He does it with specific wrestlers just to do it for the fans because the fans need to see something new. Like, you would really get tired if Undertaker kept doing the same thing, which he really did. So he added that. Plus, anyway, that's not really like a Lucha Libre thing because he's not doing a hip toss to the guy or some crazy ass shit. It's just him walking the top rope, coming down and clubbing you in the head or in the back. It's the same way as if a regular wrestler got up to the middle rope and does a sledgehammer. So are we going to say that the many times that Triple H does the sledgehammer from like the middle rope? Are we going to say, oh, he's doing Lucha Libre? Oh, is that wrestling? Oh, why are we not comparing Commander Spot to Triple H's sledgehammer from the second rope? Or the many times in the past that wrestlers have gone up to the top rope or middle rope and put their hands together and come down like a clubbing blow onto their opponent. Like, you just want to pick the 1%, the one time that a big wrestler, a tall wrestler, does something that is out of the ordinary and similar to Lucha Libre just to have this gotcha moment. Because there's nowhere else in Undertaker's career that he has ever done like a very fast-paced hurricanrana, jumping from rope to rope to rope before doing the hurricanrana. Like, he doesn't do that. Undertaker obviously did not need to do old school, but he did it anyway because it made sense. He's a big guy. He's like six feet tall. And then when he goes out to the top rope, what? That's maybe like two, three more feet added. So when he's jumping down on his opponent, who he's twisting his opponent's arm 
it's going to hurt a lot more. It's going to send a lot more shockwaves to his opponent. And again, this is him working a body part because who knows? Later on in the match, his opponent might be like, oh, my God, my arm is so messed up. I can't kick out of a simple pin. There's psychology behind it. There's character behind it. There's story behind it. Undertaker never did anything that was unnecessary in a match. Everything that he did makes sense for him being a big man. He has a lot of power and strength and muscles. And you think that him coming off the top rope is the equivalent of Commander doing the same shit? One has more power than the other. One is more believable than the other. One is more realistic than the other. And yeah, I do know and I do understand that you could just push the guy off. And there has been many times where people have pushed off The Undertaker because even though when he first did it, it was so new, it was different. It was like, oh my God, that's so great. Over time, people are going to notice this. His opponents are going to study him when they have the chance to face him. And if they know that he does old school, which is twisting the arm, walking up to the top rope, walking maybe just like two paces. It wasn't that long of a walk. And it wasn't jumping from rope to rope to rope. It was just a simple get up there, maybe move like two inches and then come down on the opponent with a clubbing blow and as opponents would study this over time people did knock him off however when it comes to lucha libre like legit lucha libre style no one knocks them off because they have to get that spot in they have to get that in that's another thing too is that they don't understand that sometimes to make it realistic and not have this kind of discourse you're gonna have to take some fence from your opponent because essentially while the opponent is standing there waiting for the luchador to finish their act you are exposing the opponent you're exposing the other wrestler and it doesn't make anybody look good except for the luchador that can flip and do rotations and do a whole song and dance in a match that's supposed to end in like maybe 10 minutes if they were given that like Make it make sense. That's all it is. So there's a difference between Undertaker doing old school, which made sense for why he did it and how he did it, versus luchadors that just flip for the sake of flipping and it's getting old. And if they put some psychology behind it, some character work behind it, or even call up Rey Mysterio and be like, hey, how can I fuse luchador and american wrestling together so that way i could be a household name there's no shame in that to call up a buddy and be like hey i need help to fuse this because people are complaining about it now i will say that twitter is an echo chamber of everyone's bad faith takes and everyone has something really stupid to say and they put it on and they think that there's no repercussions or there's Basically, they don't really care. They just put it out there, whatever they think, whatever they say, bam, tweet it out. You guys, when I say you guys, I mean wrestlers and wrestling fans, do not help this kind of conversation at all because it is usually one-sided. It is usually 
all the way to the side. Oh, they don't know what real wrestling is. It should just be fun. You know, I don't understand why they hate wrestling so much. And then the other side is explaining what Lucha Libre is, trying to bring up the 1% of people that did something similar in Lucha Libre style, but it's not the fucking thing. Oh, yeah, and there's also the other section, too, that will say that people don't know what Lucha Libre is or they're uncultured. And it's like, we don't get exposed to that often. We don't have a channel on cable where we can watch Mexican programming. America is in its own bubble because it's America. So to say that someone is uncultured, like, it's really stupid to even go there and even like just tweet that out to somebody like oh america is uncultured like not every single person gets the chance to leave america and go experience another culture okay like can we get that out of the discourse seriously i went down a rabbit hole of reading different types of answers and tweets and i'm like man this is why wrestling can't really grow because everybody is so stuck on this is what I believe and feel and no one is going to change my mind. No one's going to change my perspective. Well, hi, I'm Marie Shadows. This is what I do with my podcast. And also, again, not everyone is going to go out of their way to watch Mexican wrestling to understand what they do and then appreciate it when it's over here. We're so used to what we know that sometimes people just don't want to expand their mind. And then when you get comfortable, you get lazy and then you don't really want to change. I just wish that wrestlers will understand that eight out of 10 people that complain on Twitter do it for the right reasons. I personally know that there's a handful of good podcasters out there, including myself that wants to help wrestling change for the better not necessarily in their image or their mind or what they think but overall consensus is that make it make sense and be consistent even though professional wrestling has shown that it is really not consistent but for the most part for the majority of that it's consistent on certain things you're always going to have a hiccup in the journey of that is professional wrestling. Wrestling is not perfect. It does not need to be perfect. But you have to understand what kind of audience you are fighting for, you are presenting in front of. The audience that you present yourself in front of, a Mexican crowd is not the same as an American crowd. Or if you go to the UK, that crowd is not the same as an American crowd or a Mexican crowd. So you can't really do the same shit. You can try. It'll get over with like a handful of people. But then the other ones that are used to something are like what is this this is shit the same thing with Japanese if you go to a Japanese crowd it's going to be a little bit different you have to understand how to work the crowds that is one of the ways to have longevity in this business is by understanding how to work the crowds if you have to be on a tour in the UK and your style is that of a luchador Switch it up. You can fuse what the UK wrestlers do. Plus, 
adding some luchador moves but not make the luchador moves 150 percent of your move set you could do some half and half the same thing if you had a tour over in japan fuse japanese wrestling with luchador wrestling and again like have like a half and half style that's the only way to sort of calm down this discourse about what's the difference between this is luchador really wrestling and all this kind of shit like there's really bad faith discussions that do not help the business because no one knows how to have a discussion about this to help the business so to quiet this down just start fusing together be in a wrestling ring and start working on moves and repertoires and then if you have to go on a tour in any of the big countries that have wrestling you'll be okay with the fans the fans will not have to say some stupid ass shit and ask some really stupid ass questions like we've been watching wrestling for how long and then all of a sudden it's like oh what's the difference between this and the one percent that does something similar of lucha libre it's okay to not like a wrestling style totally is it's okay to not like a wrestling style because you don't get it I don't like deathmatch wrestling. I think that's becoming a wrestling style. That's something that I don't like and I don't like to watch because that's not for me. I want to make sure that every single wrestler that I know has a life, that they live their life to the fullest and they get to be like 100 years old and then they can finally go if they want to go. But like, I really don't want no one to die early in this wrestling business. And I think deathmatch wrestling is not helping that. I don't care how safe it is. In the long run, it's really damaging, and that's just my opinion. So I don't go out of my way to watch it, and I don't go out of my way to um, review it. I'm just letting you know that that's one style that I don't like, and I can say I don't like. As for Lucha Libre, that's not my thing. However, I don't or do not like it. I am neutral on Lucha Libre stuff. It's just that it doesn't make sense to me. So I'm just in that neutral category of like... Eh, it's there. It's a wrestling style, but you know, it's not for me. But if you like it, that's cool. However, all the other wrestling styles, such as like strong style, um, the Japanese style, like I love that shit. Technical wrestling, I love that shit. You guys know that. If you guys have been a longtime listener of me, I love it when there is technical wrestling. And if you want to incorporate some flips and everything, make sure it makes sense. So that way I could be like, this is great. This is awesome. I could tell you the story behind it. I could tell you why they did a headlock. You know, I need to tell my audience a story behind these matches so they can appreciate professional wrestling more. The more times that we argue on Twitter over fucking nonsense and to be like, oh, well, you know, they watched it when they were eight years old and they can't like shut up about it. And that's the that's what they liked about it. Some stupid arguments like that. Like, guys. Stop trying to attack fans that have legit concerns that may not go along with what you think wrestling is, okay? Wrestling is unique. Wrestling is always going to have some type of criticism. But, you know, if you dig through the shit, you're going to find the golden nuggets that can help you evolve and have longevity in this business, if you do a bunch of unnecessary things, are you really going to be remembered? That's the whole fucking point. If you do unnecessary things in a match, are people going to remember that? No, because you did not create 
an emotional connection with the fans to give them a moment, to give them a memory. Listen, let me wrap this up. I hope that my point got across that there's a difference between Commander's spot and the Undertaker's old school spot. There are two different ways of thinking. There are two different thoughts in this world that we call professional wrestling. They are not the same and they are not similar. They are completely different and done for two different reasons. Before I completely wrap this up, I forgot to mention one more important thing, which is that earlier in this episode, I did mention how like in Mexico, the Mexican fans are usually pissy drunk from the matches that I've seen and at times can get rowdy depending on like what match I'm watching and stuff like that. And I wanted to say that over here in America, before someone complains about my comment, over here in America, we do allow our fans to drink as well. But depending on the venue, the stadium, the arena, there is a limit to how much we can drink during events. This happens across all events, including basketball, hockey, football, any type of sport you could think of, including professional wrestling. When the concession stands are open and the bar is open, there is a limit to how much you can drink. There is a code of conduct. And that's the difference between Mexican fans and American fans when it comes to professional wrestling and enjoying the sport, the theatric, the spectacle. So I want to make sure that was clear before anyone jumps on me with some unnecessary, stupid-ass, rude-ass comment about it. Because I didn't put that distinction before in the earlier part of the episode. So I want to say that now. So now I can officially wrap this up. I hope you guys learned something in this podcast episode. And if you did, there will be a question waiting for you if you are on the Spotify app or on the Spotify desktop. That's right, ladies and gentlemen and fans of the Square Circle podcast. Spotify for podcasters has put out polls and Q&As. So I would love that you guys take the opportunity to answer either a poll or a Q&A after this episode, after you listen to this episode. Also, if you're not following my Spotify channel, please make sure you follow the Square Circle podcast on Spotify. That will help me out greatly. Make sure to share this episode with a friend and let them know that this is about Lucha Libre and let them know it's the spot between Commander and The Undertaker and how it's ridiculous Find me all over social media, such as Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. Sign up to my wrestling newsletter, which is an extension of this podcast and the live streaming that I do. MarieShadows.substack.com. More content is coming over to the newsletter. Also follow me on live streaming platforms such as kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows. And surprise, guys, we made it to kick affiliate over on kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows. Just want to celebrate that with you guys. Visit my Amazon author page, amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Marie Shadows to pick up a journal and also a one more match 2023 wrestling planner. Those planners are going to be a yearly thing and I am in the works for a budget planner as well that's going to probably be coming out next year and more is in the works. 
you would like to support the Square Circle Podcast on Spotify, there is another way that you guys can do so. I have enabled Spotify subscriptions. It is $4.99 a month for extra content. Extra content includes wrestling reviews and wrestling reactions, Twitter spaces, and vlogs. Now, I understand that as a content creator, I have to keep my options open. I have to have multiple sources of income. But I just want to let you know that if you just enjoy Spotify, and if you just want to support me on Spotify, thank you to the now 57 friends that I have following the Square Circle podcast on Spotify. If Spotify is your main go-to podcasting listening platform, then by all means, you can support this only. I have other options and other ways to support me, but if you feel the most comfortable by just supporting the Square Circle podcast on Spotify, then by all means, don't hesitate, don't wait. It's only $4.99 a month to unlock the exclusives that are already on subscription, such as my reactions to women's wrestling from the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, and a Twitter space talking about women's wrestling and my awesome time at Goddesses of War Wrestling as their official podcaster that month in March. Again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this podcast episode and sharing it with a friend, talking about it, sending me DMs about your thoughts and comments and all of that and signing up and supporting everything else that I do. I highly appreciate it. I love you guys so much. Thank you for sticking around and listening to this full episode. I cannot thank you enough. I really do love you guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.